The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I am Sam, nurse, podcaster, powerlifter, co-host of The Selfie Show. And today we're off the clock with healthcare's worst (laughs) ex-girlfriend. We got our girl Christy on. We are so obsessed. This is the founder of The Healthcare Reform. She is amazing. We are... We're... Again, learning so much. She brought so much to us today that I don't know. I feel like you and I like we work in this industry. We there's so much we don't know. I know. And then even when she was talking about how she got to where she was, I'm like, um, are you telling a story about Tori and I? Or like <laughs> literally. I'm like, um, that same, same, same. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, okay, let's get into it. I'm happy your opinion of the week. Okay, we really need to stop vilifying people for saying their motive or reason for going into a certain career was for financial gain or for because it's good pay or good right. money. Yeah. If you want to take a job because it's good money, go for it. So I feel like that's a big thing in nursing or in healthcare. Because if someone's like, oh, why do you want to become a nurse? I'm expected to say, I've always, always loved, loved taking it. care of I people. I want to take care of people. Yeah. It's my passion. Yeah. And I want to like do like. Okay, I do care about that stuff, but at the end of the day, I got fucking bills to pay. And if right. I did not have to work tomorrow, I wouldn't. Or even how so, about like, like, why do I have to pretend like I'm this like mother to martyr when at the end of the day, like I, okay, honestly, real talk. I wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to, I was getting my degree in psychology and I realized I was going to graduate and be making minimum wage because a degree, just a bachelor's in psychology, you cannot do anything with. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, to actually have a livable wage where I don't have to live off of my parents and I can support and take care of myself. I can't do that with just a psychology degree. So I'm going to go to college for four years. And still, if I want to actually do anything with that, I'm going to have to get a master's or a doctorate or PhD or whatever. No. Yeah. And then yeah, I yeah. kind of realized nursing, like, I'm like, okay, I could still like work with people. It's like related to psychology, but when I graduate, you're telling me I can make this much money and actually be financially independent. Done. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. It's but just like, so I funny. Can't, like, yeah. But having to have vilified. that. Yeah, for sure. Or, or the idea of like leaving a job because for another job that's paying significantly better have done that. And I, I choose to do that. I'm like, okay, I have a made, good example yeah. of that is, um, like, I used to have two nursing jobs. I was full-time somewhere like per diem somewhere else or whatever and everyone would be like oh you're just at the other place because the money's better like yeah I am and I like it thank you I need I value my time and that's another thing too time is a huge currency right I for me at this point in my life I want to work the for the most amount of max per hour right and potentially even less hours per Mm -hmm. week that just is something that's fitting my life and I'm okay with that and I love that and I don't think that's a bad thing to like why is that so vilified they don't have to be mutually exclusive I think that's the thing you don't have to choose and sit there and say like oh you can only care about your patients or taking good care of people or only about money it's like no I could still for a way better wage, still actually care about my job. But at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not, I don't choose to work at all. You guys, I want to be a stay at home dog mom. (laughs) 
and go on <laughs> vacation long. all day. I yeah. don't want to work at all, but yeah. if I'm going to work, I'm going to choose something I like. So mm-hmm. I do like nursing, but I'm also going to try to max. Why would I not want to make as much money as possible? Like, why are we yeah, like, for pretending? Sure. Like, what world are we living in? Also, Cereal. like, the idea of having, like, the ultimate job security is kind of legit. You yeah. know what I mean? And getting paid what we are what we should be what paid. What we're worth. What we're yeah. worth. I think that's a good thing. And so I think there's nothing wrong choosing, if you chose to yeah. be a nurse solely because you knew yeah. that it was going to be good money. financially Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Don't let anyone... Like, make you feel like a bad guy. Get it. Get it, get it, get it. Um, speaking of which, let's get into it with yes. this guest this week. So, she is phenomenal. Oh, she, honestly, you guys, too, she looks like a news anchor. Oh, my God. She's like, <laughs> Christy, so gorgeous. She totally does. And she's like, so well-spoken. She makes us sound like valley girls. Totally. I know. I was like, oh. We're like, how do you do this? Seriously. So, okay, today we have Christy Snodgrass. She is a TikTok girly, also known as Christy PRN on TikTok, but she is a nurse advocate and content creator. She has over 800,000 followers and 10.2 million views. She's making waves by helping all of us navigate the very, very confusing healthcare industry. She creates content to myth bust healthcare, bring invaluable content to her community, and break down the ins and outs of healthcare. Based out of Texas, Chrissy continues to push the limits and drive positive change for all patients and providers. Today, we're getting into all things healthcare 101, myth busting insurance and big pharma controversies, negotiating medical bills and so much more christy is also a consultant for dollar four dollar four is a nonprofit dedicated to holding hospitals accountable to their financial assistance programs so she is working alongside them to help build out and create a free medical bill negotiation program she is truly you guys helping so many people who do not have access to this information. She is amazing. 1,000 million percent. You must follow her. And without further ado, let's get into it with healthcare's worst ex-girlfriend, Miss Christy. Okay. To healthcare's worst ex-girlfriend, we need to know, Miss Christy, what is your unpopular opinion? Okay, so I was scrolling through Instagram today, okay, and I saw this like new trend alert, and it was this really cute girl. She had like a crop top sweater and low rise jeans and these combat boots. She looked amazing, but I swear, if low rise jeans come back, I will riot i don't care who wants them my unpopular opinion my unpopular opinion is if low-rise jeans comes back i am leaving the healthcare reform world and going into the fashion reform world because i will not have it i will not have i will bring the entire artillery i will round up the troops you have my full backing yeah yeah this has actually been a running saga here on the show you know like the whole thing of like middle part versus side part low-rise jeans hot you know all of this skinny jeans i lived through the early 2000s in orange county california and I have always been a BBL body before BBLs existed <laughs> and low rise jeans have never worked for me. And no, I no. Do you know how exactly? Do you know how many high school, high school pictures I have of myself with my butt crack hanging out? Like, oh yeah, for sure. Same, people, same. people do not know what they're signing up for. So yeah, I, but that's the thing is I couldn't even like wear them. So yeah. I couldn't even be cool and be part of the trend. <laughs> and it was just like, I have been, I have 
earned the right for skinny, high-waisted jeans, yes. and you will have to pry them from my dead body. I want to be buried in them. If Amen. I die, I don't put me in a dress in yeah. my casket. I want to be no. buried in high-rise skinny jeans. Yes. And yes. oh my god, I love you. Well, I'm sorry. You're already my Picking favorite person spicy. on we earth. Love I love you. Yes. Okay, so for people who are unfamiliar, because you, we discovered you, girl, on TikTok. This is a while ago, and we are just, you are, one, so fascinating, and there's no one out there doing what you are doing, but we need to get the backstory. Like, let's go back to the very beginning. Who are you? Where are you from? All of the fun things. Yeah, so I am born and raised in South Texas. I am one of six kids. I actually live on a small ranch with some farm animals. Oh, I love um, So like whatever idea maybe you would have about like a small hometown girl living on a ranch, um, I would just like to say I'm probably the opposite of, of, of whatever that is. Um, but that is... <laughs> <laughs> But we, we're here for that message. Yeah, my my personality is probably the opposite of it, but that is very much my lifestyle. I'm very, you know, uh, into the whole the whole ranch life, small town scene. Um, so that's a little bit about where I grew up and um, the kind of lifestyle I'm living now. And then let's get into nursing. So how where did that come from? Where did that start? Let's get into that journey a little bit. Yeah, so I've always been interested in um, biology, science. I knew I wanted to be in some sort of helping profession. I actually thought about going to school for psychology, but my older sister went first. And she was like, well, you really can't do anything with psychology unless you get a PhD. And I was like, oh, I'm not going. Yeah, I'm not going to be in school for 12 years. Literally my exact story. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, no, screw that. So we're going to go. We're going to find out what I want to do. So I took an anatomy and physiology class in uh, college, and I was like, I love this. Like, I, I, I love the human body. I, I just think it's so interesting. So I wanted, wanted to go into nursing. Um, so I went straight into the nursing program, did my clinicals, and I was like, absolutely, yes, I'm going to apply to the um, best hospital in my area. This is absolutely what I want to do. So I graduated nursing school when I was 21 um, and started nursing for that. So 21, dang, I didn't even uh, switch my major to nursing till I was 21. <laughs> what was your first like job out of nursing school and that sort of career path? Yeah, so as soon as I graduated, um, I had done my clinical rotations in all of the hospitals in my area. And again, I, I live in more of a smaller town, um, but there are some fairly large hospitals here. And um, the biggest, coolest hospital uh, I knew that I wanted to be a part of, like, from the minute I did clinicals there. They had the smartest nurses, the newest technology. It was just, uh, you know, the best of the best for where I'm at. So um, I ended up applying there. And of course, there was like 150 other appli applicants at that time. Um, so they, they took me through a three-tiered interview. It was like a phone interview, a panel interview in front of every manager in the hospital, just hurling questions wow. at me. It was terrifying what? it was terrifying i was like this like, is you guys, there's a nursing shortage like chill. <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly really yeah. like exactly so they they just hurled these questions at me but somehow i passed that and then they took me into an ethics interview this was a um religious hospital so they like oh. asked me about my ethics 
laughable at, at this point. Um, there would be a, no nurses <laughs> if we all had to do ethics interviews. I would exactly. Be, I would be unemployed would be right no now. No one in the workforce. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So they they yeah. asked me about my ethics. Anyway, long story short, um, they hired me onto <clears throat> an oncology unit, which was my top pick. And um, I, I think I've, I've told this story before on my socials, but day one of my orientation, they put me on a renal floor. Um, and I'm like, kidneys? I, I signed up to be an oncology nurse. What's going on here? And then admin was like, this is our new nurse residency program. It's going to be really awesome. Um, and then I talked to the other nurses and they're like, oh, no, it's just because all the other uh, floors do not have nurses skilled enough to, to precept. Everybody's really new. The turnover is really high. And I was like, oh, red flag. But okay. at that point, you know, when you're a new nurse, you don't know what, what healthcare mm-hmm. is supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like. So you're really relying on other people to tell you what's normal mm-hmm. and what's not normal. Right. So, um, yeah, so I went along with it. And um, after three months on a renal floor, I was thrown onto an oncology floor with no oncology training. Um, and they just put me straight to work. I remember day one, uh, an oncologist was like, hey, come do a bone marrow biopsy with me. And I was like, what the hell is a bone marrow biopsy? I had no idea. I had no idea. And he was asking me to come do this procedure with him. And I was like, uh, and then I'm just like looking around at the older nurses and they're like, go do it. And I was like, okay, like, (laughs) okay, I guess I'm doing this now. Um, and that was pretty, pretty consistent with the, with everything that went on in my nursing career. It was just like thrown into scenarios. And whenever I looked around and was like, Hey, this seems unsafe. It was like, well, that's, that's how we do it. Like, that's just, can I ask you really quickly? Okay. What year did you start nursing? When did you start? When, where were you? 2013. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to validate every freaking thing that you are saying. Yeah, 2012 here. This was the time, I think, so Sam and I have talked about this a lot, right? Like, okay, we're the millennial, elder side of millennial, but we're millennial nurses. Mm -hmm. We're the Oregon Trail millennials. Yeah, there you go. Love that for us. (laughs) And we, when we started our jobs, that is what happened no, right the like that we, she said well this is how it is this is how that's right. what we've always we heard it in nursing how we school. do it we heard this it as new what it's like this is just what it this is this is how we you know been doing it for years or you know we kind of just shut up and do it and it's so funny like I really want to know what was the turning point for you in your career where you like or maybe there was like a moment where you're like huh like this isn't right and something's up and like you know was there a moment I kept, uh, you know, taking on more and there was always, um, it was always framed like the more responsibility given to me was a privilege to me, even Mm -hmm. though there was no increase in pay or anything else. So, you know, when I was eight months in, they, they made me charge nurse when I was a year in, they were having me orient, you know, new nurses as well as being charge nurse, as well as take a load of patients. And then when admin would round or, you know, whoever, whatever executive, they would say things to me that was like, that were like, Christy, like, you're you're so good at this. Like, you're, you're, you're able to take on all of this. Like, look at you. You're so good. And meanwhile, I'm like, I feel like this is unsafe, but I have these people that are supposed to be my superiors telling me that I'm doing such a good job that it's not exactly (laughs) gaslighting me into feeling like. I should feel privileged uh, to be in these positions. So I continued like past the point. I was getting burnt out year one. 
year one, I was like already feeling yeah. it. But because I was being gaslit so often, I continued past the part of burnout where you just have a bunch of anxiety and, you know, you hate your job and it's like, you know, so tense to where like I didn't care anymore. Like yeah. that type of burnout where it was like I was compassionate towards my patients. I was doing my job well, but it was like autopilot. Like I just did mm -hmm. not have the effort to, to fight about it anymore. I just did it. Um, and I think the turning point for me was I nearly had a, a mistake happen at work. I nearly had something happen to my patients because I was so overloaded and trying to do 50 things at once. And even though I caught it um, and, you know, no harm came to the patient, I like sat back that day and I was just like, I could have really hurt someone like not not I, I could have hurt the patient and then I could have lost my license. Like, why am I operating like this? And why is this normal? And, you know, during the course of that, um, you know, kind of, kind of backing up a little bit, I was working oncology. My patients had cancer. They were going into so much debt, like it, crazy amounts of debt. And they would, you know, do the barbecue benefits and the fundraisers just trying to pay for their treatment to stay alive. And I was thinking, like, if, they're, if these patients are funneling in hundreds of thousands of dollars, yet my unit can't even hire another nurse to be appropriately staffed. I was denied a $1 raise. Like, where the hell is this money going? And why does it always have to be this way if, if this much money is coming in? Um, so that kind of like set out my feelers. And then after that event happened where I almost, you know, it could have been a bad event. Yeah. Um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to switch and go into a different position in the hospital, which went into case management and see how these processes are working behind the scenes and how admin is working behind the scenes and see mm -hmm. if, you know, I, I wanted to see how the sausage got made. So mm -hmm. I, I went behind the scenes, I saw it and I was like, oh, I've been a nurse for this long and I didn't know that it worked this way. Patients mm -hmm. don't know that it worked this way. Doctors don't know that it worked this way. So I need to go tell people about it. So that's kind of what segue my way out of, mm. uh, out of the bedside and into what I'm doing now. I'm obsessed with that. Well, okay. So let's, <laughs> I think what's so interesting, and you know, this is a big piece of, of why Sam and I do what we do now here and, you know, talking about all these things is because these are things that need to be talked about. But mm -hmm. it's so interesting because we've had this curtain with healthcare for essentially, you know, since the it's beginning like of time. The don't air your dirty laundry, keep it in the family keep sort it in of the thing. Family. I feel like yeah. as nurses, it's like, oh, don't tell everyone yes. that like, especially like about talking about staffing and breaking ratios issues and ratios and, and all these things because unions they don't want to put it out to the general public of like, hey, you might be going to what looks like one of the best hospitals in your state and you are getting very scary subpar care. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, we don't want to pull that veil back. And exactly. even when like, I remember when I got floated mm -hmm. to peds ICU and I used to be terrified of anything that had teeth or pubic hair <laughs> or was like old enough to even just Same. like speak. Yeah. And I remember being this conversation being told by my manager, don't tell them that you're floating from NICU. And I'm like, so you want me to lie to parents? And they're like, no, no, never lie. But just like, don't bring it up. And I'm like, when I walk in the room and I can't find the light switch on the wall 
And yeah. I couldn't figure out yeah, or the, where the gloves no, are. No, their thermometer or... was like connected to their like mod. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like their temperature didn't show up on which the thing. Sounds stupid, and I, like, but it's like I'm so like, true. I can't even take a fucking temperature like, or yeah, turn on the no. in this room. And you look at they're they're gonna look at me like I'm a moron. <laughs> and I want to assure them, exactly. no, I'm a really good nurse. Yeah. I come from the NICU, so I don't normally work on this floor. I'm gonna take really good care of your child. If there's anything I don't know, I promise I'll find an answer, and you're gonna be in good hands, even though I'm from this floor. I'm gonna tell them that. And you're asking me to lie or not lie, but you're asking me to be not forthcoming with the truth. Yeah. Well, and it's just so interesting because I think we've had this like curtain and Uh what we've loved is highlighting all of these amazing creators and people who are so passionate about it, just like you. Let's talk about where- Willing to go there. Willing to go there. Mm -hmm. So like- TikTok. How did this all start? Where did you, I mean, you, yeah. I, I, we are obsessed with everything you were doing. It's fabulous. Yeah. So, so after I was in case management um, for a while, I was getting to a point where I was born, burned out there, right? I figured if I was on the side of admin that I'd be able to make more of a difference and I'd be able to, to, to move the needle a little bit more. And that absolutely was not true. I was still being controlled 100% by, you know, higher up other people. So I said, well, if I can't move the needle here, I at least need to get this information out there so other healthcare workers and patients can protect themselves. But as you all know, that's very dangerous to do yes. whenever uh, you're, you're working for the person mm-hmm. that you're talking about, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I very like nonchalantly started making just like funny nursing TikToks, just trying to, to connect with other nurses. And then it started to grow and I started to just like sprinkle in the educational videos, hoping that like no one would really notice, but it started to grow (laughs) so fast um, that people at work would come up to me and be like, Hey, I saw you at TikTok. And I'm like, shut up. Like, don't, (laughs) don't tell people. (laughs) Nope. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not I'm like, don't tell people. But, um, I got to a point um, making that content where I was just like, I either need to do this full force or not do this because having to hold back what you say just out of fear that you might be retaliated against um, from your employer, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it scary. Felt, it, it's scary. It's scary. It's scary. Right. So and there's a I'm lot like, of us in that position. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just like, I have an opportunity, like I have the privilege right now to jump into it and do this full time. Um, so that's what what I decided to do. Because uh, to be honest with you, I was either going to get to a point where I quit or I was going to be fired. So I just decided yeah. to quit. I might, I should have maybe gotten fired so I could get a severance, but you know. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm like, I'm never going to quit. But yeah. when you fire me, I'm hopefully I'll get enough of a settlement that I can yeah. like, pay the bills off of that for a while. Well, uh, you know what I love about it is, you know, I think this is why we loved you because your energy, but like mm-hmm. the whole idea of healthcare is worst ex-girlfriend. I'm like, I am obsessed with this. No, I, that line is it was chef's kiss. Chef's so kiss, good. so good. I, I want to talk about that a little bit because I feel like, you know, you bring such a fun side to a lot of very heavy topics like you are so you you bring these little snippets and these gem pieces of information and they're very digestible and it's very like 
approachable. Well, I also feel like it's not healthcare's like worst ex girlfriend. It's like that's the one that they fucked up. Yeah, you like they, they like yeah. you got away, <laughs> and you're gonna regret that for the rest of your life. Like you yeah. let that one get away, Absolutely. and that's what's like sucks. So is like people like that that are really coming from such a good place and want to see things improve and advocate are the ones that have to leave to do it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that I I talk about with other nurses too, and just trying to make people aware of how retaliated against nurses are. Um, Because in order, it, it, it's funny in order just to tell patients their legal rights, like what is legally entitled to them Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, advocate for them. I had to leave healthcare. Like the yeah, the cognitive absolutely. dissonance that happens there um, to say that that you would be punished for telling people um, what their rights are is yeah, it, it's really sad. Yeah. I mean, it's just this is where this is why, and I hope that we start seeing more change because I do think, you know, as people start really opening up their minds to this and really start understanding the core, you know, really getting to the root of things, which is why I think what you're doing is so important. Hopefully we can start, you know, that wave of getting, you know, not just people who, uh, you know, the workers, let's say, but start going up the ranks and start Mm -hmm. seeing like, you know, telling people like, we see these things. We know this isn't right. We need change. Mm -hmm. I want to know this. What has been your most viral video? (laughs) Okay, so I have like healthcare educational videos that have like millions and millions of views, but my most, okay, my most shared video is a video I did like over a year ago when I was first starting TikTok, telling people um, a nurse's uh, recommendation on what not to stick up their butt. That is my most shared video. I feel like I shared that though. To be it honest. has been oh translated God. into every language, <laughs> sent through every country. I have duets in every single language of, of people around the world sharing things, like examples of what they should not and should put up their butt. And I'm like, of all the things, of all the things of that I've shared. I think that's an important PSA because the it is, it is a very for emergency room nurses yeah. and doctors dealing with that. I feel like you're doing the Lord's work by putting that info out there. Listen, well, you're that info people. is very much out there now. So hopefully, hopefully I yeah. saved a few people an ER trip. What's it been like in, um, content world well how is it for you like in terms of just what's it you know and like kind of getting into that you know what's it like for you yeah I mean um like social media content creation like the influencer world is something that I never had any desire to be a part of um so it's been a little bit awkward for me in that way to like like, because I started on TikTok, right? So it's not like other avenues where you You're can put up. You're TikTok girly. Exactly. Yes. So you can, like other other social media apps, you can put up like infograph. Like you don't have to put your face on there all the time. But since right. I started with TikTok, it was automatically like my face, me talking about stuff 24-7. And I'm really the type of person who likes more to be behind the scenes. Um, so it's been an adjustment. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's opened up so many doors that I'm like, fuck it. If I have to put my face on the internet and have like hundreds of thousands of people, you know, giving their opinion about me, 
who cares? Like it, it's, it's, it's a means to an end here. I'm just going to take it and roll with it. Absolutely. I, for, okay. Cause I like love TikTok, but I feel <laughs> like people that create TikTok platforms, I don't know. It feels more like authentic and organic to me yeah. than how people will like perfectly curate their Instagram and things like that. I like I fun. feel like we're getting like a lot of organic substance mm. with like less filtering it is and, and and that's one of the reasons why i was drawn to the platform right because when i went into the healthcare reform world um the the reason why i didn't go into it sooner um was because there it it, it has a very specific look there is nobody that looks like me or Correct. does things in the way that i do and i don't mean that like arrogantly it's just like the healthcare no, reformed right world is full mm -hmm. of doctors, economists, PhDs. There's not mm -hmm. a freaking nurse with associate's yep. degree like doing this sort of thing. So when I saw these, you know, middle-aged men uh with with business degrees, I was like, okay, like uh, how are they getting this information to the general public? Um because they're talking on, you know, LinkedIn or at conferences or, you know, at these big conventions mm -hmm. and I'm like, where is the public? In all where this. are the people? Um, yes. Where are the Social people? Media. Where are the nurses? Where are the grounds people? So when I decided to do what I uh, am doing now, um, one of the conscious decisions that I, I made was that I'm going to go to where the people are and not make them find me. Um, because if we truly want to change things, we need to educate the people who it is actually affecting on a day to day basis. Um, so, so TikTok was the, the first choice. I mean, like it's the most like public ground, real here it is platform that, that, uh, there is. So it's, it's not traditional, but it's what I think. I love that. It's so. actually funny because, um, so I just, I went to a Nikki conference recently and that was one of the things that I spoke about was the importance of being on the platforms where the patients are, where the providers mm -hmm. are, where future, you know, even future um, providers, you know, someone who wants to become a nurse, like that's where everyone is at. And I think that is why this is so important to be able to platform and talk about these things. And, you know, I mean, I just think about like accessibility, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of these people, you know, who do need this information, you know, you're not going to log into a web journal, something to try and get into right. something that was verified, peer reviewed, you know, not to mention the cost of a lot of this information, the cost of getting your degree, the cost of all of these mm -hmm. things. It's like, there's such a barrier for, pa for patients. And I would argue even providers sometimes to gain mm -hmm. access to information mm -hmm. and to research into all these things. Yeah, because just because you're a nurse doesn't mean you necessarily have the money to join all of the professional organization Absolutely. and go to conferences and do spend these all things. that money, like, fly somewhere. And if you don't work yep. at a hospital that doesn't really support keep it, you, support that and connect that, it's like, okay, you're the one in the trenches doing the work, but you're not having access to the people that are really making decisions or guiding the future of healthcare. Yes. Definitely. And if you're, if you're, if your goal, if your mission is truly to spread a message, change things, educate, you know that only a certain demographic is going to be able to make it to that conference or, you know, on that mm -hmm. web article or whatever. But you know that every single nurse is sitting there scrolling on her phone at night. Absolutely. Like you can access, you can access that demographic, but you got to go to them. You can't make them come to you. Right. Um, speaking of that a little bit, because I feel like, 
the interesting part is I want to know how do you do this? Because truly when, when I watch a video that you're doing, you are so well-spoken on it. It's so well-verified and researched. Like how do you pick your topics and like, you know, when you're speaking about something, take us through that process. You almost remind me of like a news anchor because you're yeah. so like, well, you're beautiful and then you're very well spoken and poised. Yes. Like I, like, yes, be our poster child for nursing. <laughs> yes. I fully Oh my it. gosh. Yeah. Can I hang out with you guys all the time just to like <laughs> get these compliments because this is, y'all are going to make my head way too big. Um, <laughs> we love it. <laughs> But yeah, no, so I tend to pick topics that I have personal experience with. And I sometimes get a little bit pushback, like, because I'm, I'm talking about hospitals a lot, right? Because um, that's where mm-hmm. I'm working. I'm talking about billing, that sort of thing. Um, but I like to know how things work functionally before I give an opinion on, right. on whatever the subject is, right? So um, I can talk a little bit about insurance companies because I dealt with them or, um, you know, other topics, but I pick topics that I work with or have worked with on um, a daily basis. So that's why I talk about nonprofit hospitals a lot. I talk about medical billing a lot because I negotiate bills now almost 24-7. I I, I talk about the subjects that I know. And then um, I, I have spent much of the past year connecting with organizations who work within those topics full time. Um, and I, I very much keep up with those organizations. So I see the data that they're bringing in. I match that up with my actual lived experience. And then that's, that's where my videos come from. Mm-hmm. What are three things that you wish everyone knew about healthcare? Just point blank, just three things. Oh, first and foremost, healthcare workers, nurses, doctors, have very little control over the healthcare system. There is this, this um, opinion among the public that uh, what is happening behind the scenes, the overcharging, the billing is coming from doctors and healthcare workers, and it is absolutely 100% not true. In fact, you go ask your doctor right now what something costs, she, he's know. not going to know, right? Um, so that's, that, that's number one is just that, um, people have to understand that healthcare workers are as much of victims in the healthcare system as patients are. Um, the next thing would probably be that most of what we know about healthcare and what we think about healthcare is, is incorrect. Um, there is a lot of things that we are made to believe, um, because we were told at the bedside, right? Like, like. One of the things that I thought at the bedside was, you know, I would see patients coming into the ER for ridiculous or what I thought was ridiculous things. And then, you know, they would never pay their bill, yada, yada. And I was always told, like, those are the patients that drive up healthcare costs, the ones that abuse the ER and never pay their bills. And then when I got on this side of it, I'm like, that is not even close. Like, that is, we're talking about a grain of sand on a whole beach here. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Most of what we know and understand about healthcare um, is just uh, not correct. And that would bring me to the third point, which is um, I've, I've been acutely aware over the past year that unless healthcare workers and patients can team up together, we're not going to move the dial. I think we've, we've, I mm-hmm. think nurses uh, within the past year have teamed up. We're really starting to unionize and we're really starting a new move. I've seen in the healthcare reform world that patients are teaming up, but until those two sides come together and healthcare workers move with patients, 
um, we're, we're, we're not going to see true reform until that happens. That's a really good point. I feel like I've never heard anyone put it that way. And I think that's actually a really, really good aspect well, to bring to light. The crazy part is like, just because we're working healthcare doesn't mean we're also not patients. Right. right. I have been having some shit healthcare issues. Not that I'm like have unhealth, but I've been like Tori's. She's struggled a lot with, with doctors some, and payments yeah. at my insurance changed this year. And then your iron. And like she's just had like things that to me but are. But being on the other side and I'm like. I've had mm-hmm. the same job for 10 years and now having new insurance, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? People have to deal with this shit. Mm-hmm. And at least I know how to navigate it because I work in healthcare. So I'm like feisty, but I always like even tell her, I'm like people that don't have someone in healthcare in their family, mm-hmm. how do they navigate this world and mm-hmm. system and even know yeah. what they don't know or know when something doesn't sound right and know how to ask questions and know how to fight and whatever like it's yeah they don't they don't and that's Mm. that's kind of what's perpetual I mean the lack of education the lack of inability for a patient to even know how or when to advocate for themselves um, has allowed our healthcare system to keep going at it as as it is now and then you brought up the cost of things in general like I kind of just want to talk about that because I think it's I mean I've been like slapped in the face with it this year, but I think it is pretty crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there and even terms- like the medical debt stuff you're talking about, like people literally oh, yeah. going into debt in this country yeah. over healthcare bills. What, maybe let's go a little bit into that. Cause I am curious there. And cause you speak to a lot about in terms of costs, maybe a couple, a few tidbits that you think are like highlights of things that, you know, we should all know or be aware of. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sure. So um, number one, and I, people hear me talk about this all the time, is most hospitals in the United States are, are nonprofit. Um, and all nonprofit hospitals have to provide free or reduced care to certain um, incomes. Now, when people hear that, they tend to think like you have to be like below poverty line in order to get help. But I've seen people making, you know, depending on their family size, making upwards of $100,000 and getting help from the hospital um, with their hospital bills depending on the situation. So uh, that's one thing that I say is like, if you're, if you go into a hospital and you get a hospital bill, um, always apply for charity care, even if you think that you're not going to get it. Um, Number two, when you get a bill from a hospital, um, you have more time to figure out that bill than the hospital thinks that you do. That bill cannot affect your credit legally for an entire year. They cannot require report it to a a credit bureau for one year um, after you get the bill. So what I I tell you, most people don't know that. They don't. I didn't know that. They don't because what happens Mm -hmm. is sometimes, and I've had patients come to me and be like, I didn't even know I had a bill. And then it was sent directly to a collections agency. And they said that they're, yeah. And they said that they're going to report. My mail goes to my dad's house. (laughs) Yeah. So they'll tell me like, and then I called the collections agency and they said they were going to report me. And I'm like, when, when was your house? visit. They're like six months ago. And I'm like, well, you still have six months then. So I have a year from your first bill before they can legally report it to the credit bureaus. So take that time to get an itemized bill, 
go through there, see if there's something that you didn't get, because guess what? Almost 80% of hospital bills have uh, errors. So mm-hmm. patients should go through them and see, you know, what they were charged for that they weren't supposed to be charged for as best they can, right? They're non-medical people. Um, but that's the second thing. I hate asking this, but do you feel like those errors are accidental or do you feel like those errors are, do you get what I, yeah. I feel like basically yeah. just put everything on there and see what will slide. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, I, I, I do have, I do have grace for the, the billers, right? Because trying to figure out, you know, and we as we we as nurses and healthcare professionals don't know what which ones of our actions actually affect the patient's bill. So we might mm-hmm. like, you know, go pull out two normal saline bags and then only use one, or we have a flush here, or, or you know, like a gauze here, and we don't know what's actually being charged to the patient and what's not. Mm-hmm. And that gets really, really confusing for both the patient and for both the biller. And of course, there's mm-hmm. then like 50 different insurance companies that the hospital has to deal with. So I understand that it gets very confusing, but I would be more apt to believe that, um, you know, it's all just a big mistake if the mistake went in both directions. So if the patients got undercharged and overcharged, then I would be more apt to believe that, you know, this is all just a big misunderstanding, but I have never seen a patient be undercharged. It's always, always, always being overcharged. So I think that when the hospital is billing, even though it is difficult to do so, they are trying to include as many things as they possibly can, just trying to see what sticks. Um, so yeah, it's a it's it's a little of both, I think, but they err on well, the side of so trying secretive? to overcharge. Okay, well, actually, I want to bring this up because this is actually something that you spoke about. So there's a new the new transparency insurance law. Yeah, can mm-hmm. you? Can you break that down for us? And just because I learned so much from you, but can you give us like a little highlight of this? Because like, okay, healthcare, like in this country though, it's like if I, Moses, my dog had surgery and Mm -hmm. I got a whole quote of saying it could cost as much as this and as little as this because we don't know until we get in there, but they still even gave me the 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 possibilities. So I knew that maximum worst case scenario his surgery mm-hmm. would cost this much. And then it was like, do you want to proceed? And mm-hmm. we just go into the ER and they'll roll you back and you're like, well, fucking good luck. We'll see what comes out of right. it. Right. Yeah, that's a good yep. point too. Yep, yep. So so a couple things have happened over the past two years. So in 2021, the Hospital Pricing Transparency Act went into effect, which said, hospitals, you got to show your prices. Like, I, I know it's hard. You, there's a billion different insurance companies, but you've got to put it out there so patients can get an idea. And it's been a year and a half and they're like 80%, 86% non-compliant still. I haven't um, seen so it anywhere. Have you? No. Still. So what they'll do is they'll put a price estimator. They'll just like kind of throw one up on their website and be like, that's it. Like I'm good, but it, it, it has to be much more detailed than that. You need to get a, a better idea of what things are going to cost. Um, but anyway, that went in, that went into effect 2021, 2022, a second half of that went into effect where now they're gearing up for insurance companies to do the same thing. So um, Mm. you, by January, and we'll see how this works out, but by January, you're supposed to be able to get on your insurance website and be like, hey, I'm going to get a colonoscopy or a mammogram or whatever. How much is this going to cost at this provider? And you'll be able to look it up and compare 
um, the different rates before in your you area even have before the, you go and get key. it done. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what the compliance rate is on that. Um, but that is what's are they holding anyone accountable? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, so How if you're you... not compliant, is it just like, well, dang? You know what? Yeah. For most of them, that's what it's been. Um, and there have been two. So there's like. Uh, they recently did a study on it and I can't remember the exact number, but there was like 5,100 hospitals that were non-compliant and they find two of them. Now those two that they did find, they immediately became compliant, right? Because hospitals mm -hmm. don't care unless they're getting charged for it. So yeah. they got charged. I think it was like those two hospitals was like 200,000 and then like close to a million dollars. And then bam, next month they're completely compliant. So we can see that holding them accountable works, mm -hmm. but it's a matter of forcing the government to hold these hospitals accountable. And in That's my opinion, it's like, why, why even make a law if you're not going to enforce it? Because you, you yeah. might as well have not made the law at all, right? Nobody cares about a law unless it's enforced. So well, I think if they feel, I think if the government starts feeling pressure mm -hmm. from us collectively mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. exactly what you're doing, right? I think what's interesting is you, I think, are becoming the hub, like one of the big hubs, right? As the connection between patient and also provider and a lot of us seeing these things collectively. And I'm like, I think if we start getting loud enough and talking enough about it and then, oh, all of a sudden a politician sees like, this is something that a lot of people are really, you know, getting interested in knowing more about and starting to put pressure on them. I think that's, you know, well, I think it's good because you're putting the information out there because half the stuff you're telling us, like, we didn't know. and we I don't know. even know exactly. we work in healthcare. Yeah. So it's like now it's like the more information and hands this can get into, the, better. the more the pressure can be applied. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the, it, we've got to do it in new ways, too. There's there's an organization that I work with sometimes called Power to the Patients who does only this. They just work on pricing uh, transparency with, with the hospitals. And instead of being like all the other guys who go to conferences and whatnot, they like flew like got a bunch of donations and like flew a blimp over the Super Bowl uh, <sighs> that said like prices are now your right here's where you go to view them or whatever oh, so God. it's just like Genius. we have to we have to come up with ways to directly get in the public eye because if we mm -hmm. just put it out there and say hey hospitals you're you know this is the law but nobody else knows the law hospitals aren't gonna right. care you know? Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Well, that's why I loved even like Mark Cuban's online pharmacy oh, because mm -hmm. seeing the prices posted like that of mm -hmm. medication is shocking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like as someone who even works in healthcare, shocking. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we all just, and we all spend different money on medication. Like mm -hmm. you and I could get the same prescription and completely pay oh, different yeah. amounts oh, for absolutely. it. And then it's like, and then you can actually go somewhere and finally see like what it should cost, what it could. And like, it's wild. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. What are some trends that you're seeing in terms of like healthcare, um, good or bad, like in terms of costs? Like I know there was something that you mentioned about credit cards. Mm -hmm. and I thought this was very interesting. Yeah. So I feel like whenever we work hard, big corporations work harder. So whenever we try to put something good in place, it's always yeah. manipulated to the best interest of somebody not good. Um, so like we have these, these charity care laws for patients, um, for all these nonprofit hospitals. Well, nonprofit hospitals don't like that. They don't have, like having to write off, uh, all that, uh, uh, debt for patients. So one thing that started happening was they started offering like, Hey, you can't pay your bill. Well, 
here's a credit card and it has no interest for a year and you can pay off. But what ends up happening is once the patient pays that bill and puts it on the card, if they learn about charity care, they'll go back to the hospital and be like, hey, wait, I was supposed to qualify for this thing. And the hospital will say, oh, no, it's paid off. You don't have an account with us anymore. We closed it out. It's done. Pick it up with the, the credit card company. And of course, they can't get anywhere with the credit card company. What are they going to do? Right. Right. And so, if you don't pay it off in a year, your interest rate probably, probably all of a sudden gets yep. tacked on. Skyrockets. Yeah. Skyrockets. Um, right. So yeah, so I, there's there's good trends, right? There's there's we're we're really working on transparency. We're really working on a number of things. I think we're headed in the right direction, like more so than we have in any previous years. But I will say that they are working double time to try to right. uh, to combat the the good progress that we've made. Can you break down the difference between nonprofit versus for-profit hospitals? Like just a, like a little glimpse, because to be honest, again, we don't, we've worked in both, but I still, the nuances or maybe the subtle differences between them. Yes. So what I like to say is nonprofit hospitals are for-profit hospitals who don't have to pay taxes. And that is really the only difference. Yes, it is really the only difference. The only thing other than that is the charity care um, requirement that the law that that law does not apply to for-profit hospitals. But um, there was a study done recently that said that for-profit hospitals are actually like because they do make their own charity care, you know, just financial assistance policies, and they're actually doing more charity care for their for their uh, patients than nonprofit hospitals are. So there's really no wow. difference other than nonprofit hospitals do not have to pay. Interesting. And then where does like Medicare, Medicaid fall into that in terms of how does that work? So Medicare and Medicaid are our government funded um, health insurance, if you will. So Medicare is our national one. And that's usually what we use for people with disabilities and our elderly. Um, Medicaid is usually funded by each state and each state has different rules for it. And that's usually reserved for um under income and other disabilities who are also under income. Um, so that's, those are our government subsidized healthcare is Medicare and Medicaid. Okay. And then I think this is a big question that, um, you know, Sam and I've talked a lot about, you know, from our perspective as people who work in healthcare, you know, ultimately looking forward what would be the best picture in terms of getting access to patients, right? So you have universal healthcare, you have socialized medicine, you have private insurance. Can you do a quick little recap? Because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding with uh, with these in general and sort of thinking one is, is like the other and not mm-hmm. really understanding it. Can sure. you break these down a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So universal healthcare um, is often confused with socialized medicine and I'll distinguish the two in just a second. But universal healthcare is just the overarching term um, that is used whenever people want to say, I want everybody in this nation to have access to healthcare um, without any financial burden. That, that is the end of it. And I, I've had discussions with people who are like, I'm against universal healthcare. And I'm like, you don't want people to have access to healthcare? And they're like, yeah, I do, but I just don't want the government, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, that's something different. That's something different. Stop. So universal healthcare just means you want everybody to access healthcare without financial burden. Socialized medicine is um, a lot like our VA system. 
So it is government funded and government ran. So we pay for it with our taxes, but uh, also the government runs the hospitals and the doctors and nurses um, within that hospital are government employees. So that is true socialized medicine. And then you have um, single payer system. A single payer system just means that the government is simply signing the check for the healthcare. Um, so they don't own us. Like we could have all the same hospitals that we have now, but um, our patients would be insured by the government, like such as Medicare, um, and Medicare would would write the check for for the patient. Medicare would be the insurance company for everybody. So that's single payer, socialized medicine, and then universal healthcare, and then you have private insurance, which is what most of us have now, um, where we're going through a private uh, insurance company to get our insurance and everybody has different types of insurance. Enemy number one. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think we're kind of like headed in this country? Yeah. Like realistically, like, okay. Or ideal world. And then realistically. Yeah. You know, if you're asking for like what, what I think the best combinations of those things is, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm comfortable saying that, like, I don't know yet. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know uh, what I personally even would think is the best combination of those things to cover us all. Mm-hmm. However, um, I do think we're at this bursting point where private insurance has just gotten so unaffordable, just so unattainable for most of us that it's not going to stay that way for another 10 years. We're going to have to either expand our government program so that Medicare and Medicaid include more of us, um, or we're going to have to really heavily, heavily regulate private insurance companies um, so that they can't do the shit to us that they have been doing. It's just crazy because, you know, something that is so relevant to a lot of us is our insurance is tied to our jobs. Yep. So then it's like you're a slave to, you know, your employer based on, you know, trying to have provide something for your family that technically everybody should have access to. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. I think that's a big thing that I don't know how we could come away from that. But that's something in my head that I'm like, that would make I think it would potentially open up so many things for people, so much more opportunity, because I think that's a reason that a lot of people stick with their jobs, right? It's a big, a big reason, especially for people with families, when Mm -hmm. you have a lot, when you're having, you're supplying the insurance for potentially four or five people, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a big incentive to stay with your employer. But I think, again, you said our premiums, our deductibles, like everything is going up, up, up. I know, I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's, I think we're heading a Well, I think what you point. said where you're like, I don't know what the best mixture is. I say that kind of too, because I will argue with some people who are very pro-capitalism right. type thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, like at the expense of people's health and dying and right. livelihood. Yeah. And we kind of like, we'll go back and forth. And we're like, uh, then they go straight to like, well, I don't want socialized medicine and communism. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's back the truck yeah. up. Like, you are zero to a hundred. And then they're like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know that I necessarily have the right answer. Cause I don't know what that is, but I know that the current system isn't it. Well, and it's failing yeah. me. It's failing yes. you and it's failing everyone else. The other thing is, is we are such a wealthy country and every other country like us has a diff- much different healthcare mm-hmm. system than we do. Mm-hmm. And they do have forms of single payer system or socialized medicine or whatever. 
and they have all these different combinations. So I think there is some cognitive uh, dissonance there to think Mm -hmm. that like we are very similar. There's differences, obviously, but we are very similar to these other countries. Yet that is just like not, uh, you know, possible at all for us. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it is possible, but there's got to be there's got to be some culture shift and there's got to be a, a, a major redo of, of our healthcare system as it is. Well, yeah. And it's really interesting, kind of like the culture shift ideas. I think people don't really understand how important this is until it affects them directly. Yeah, exactly. So until yep. your mom is, doesn't qualify for, mm-hmm. you know, her cancer treatment until someone, you know, this is too costly for them or, uh, uh, you know, the child ends up in a hospital for what, mm-hmm. whatever reason for an extended period until, you know, it's like, or your uncle was in a car crash mm-hmm. and can't afford, you know, it's like, yep. you don't understand it until you're really in it. And, and I hate that because I don't want people to have to experience like health care problems or tragedies to say, okay, this needs to be fixed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the case with most things, right? It's especially the culture that we have in our country. Unfortunately, it's very individualistic. I mean, we're, we're sold the American dream that as long as we work hard enough, we can do whatever we want. Now, those of us who are actually here and working hard know that that's not necessarily the case. Um, But you know, that, that, that is the thing is that people don't understand how bad it is until they get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's these preconceived notions that as long as, um, you know, you have a full-time job and, you know, you're eating healthy or whatever, that you're just, you know, healthcare is not going to be an issue for you. And the fact of the matter is it's going to be an issue for every single one of us Everyone. at one point yeah. or another. Um, yeah. so it's, um, it's an issue that we all need to get on board with because nobody's, nobody's going to be able to dodge it. So, well, and at the end of the day, the one thing that you want at, when people really, really, when you think about your life is your health, because mm-hmm. when you're in a hospital bed and your life is on the line, the one thing you really want is your health and you want to be able to have the right amount of care, you know, to have, to be able to afford it, to have access to it. You know, that's really when you get to the root of like our whole livelihoods are based on our health mm-hmm. and yep. to some degree, and it's going to affect us at some point. Yeah. And that's, that's the other problem with tying health insurance to employment, right? You get, you get people who get cancer and then they can't work anymore, but they have to continue to work in order to have their insurance to pay for their cancer. So um, right. we get into these cycles where it's just like how we're doing things is so very detrimental to everybody's health. Um, that even if you don't have health problems right now, this needs to be very, very important to you because it's going to affect you eventually. Um, kind of going back to this thought that you brought up at the beginning, um, your legal rights as a patient. What are uh, a few things that you think most people don't know um, as their rights as patients? Yeah, so um, of course, we talked about the charity care. We talked about um, the uh, bills and collections negotiate it until it hits that one year mark. The, the other thing about bills and collections um, is even if it does hit your credit, the minute that you pay it off, it taken off your credit with like your credit score will go back to where it was before. Um, even when you paid it, it was still considered like a bad debt and it affected your credit for like seven years or something like that. So, so now once you pay it, it'll get taken off your credit. Um, when did that change start? July. July. Oh, I literally got effed over with that once where a bill that I never knew about went to my dad's house Yeah, and Mm -hmm. it sat there because I don't get my mail from my dad's. And then all of a sudden the collection agency called me and I paid it, but it like still hit your credit. credit. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's new. That happened. Salty. (laughs) (laughs) So that happened in July. The other thing is um, looking at cash prices whenever you are, if you're able to anticipate that you're going to need something like you're, you know, you're going to need a surgery. Um, I encourage everybody to get what's called a good faith estimate. That is a new law that went into effect um, this past year. So uh, if you have a planned procedure, you can request uh, a good faith estimate for the cash price of that procedure. Um, One of the other things that hospitals and any provider's office try to do is they often say that if you have insurance, you cannot pay the cash price, even if it's cheaper. Um, That's not true. There is the High Tech Act that went into effect in like 2013. It's been around for a while, but people have been ignoring it, um, which basically says submitting a claim to your insurance is your protected, like your HIPAA, your protected health data. So if you say, no, I don't want you to submit that claim to the insurance, the provider cannot do it and you can pay cash. Um, so you, you always have that right to ask for the cash price and then pay the cash price if you don't want to use your insurance. Mm. My cash price would have been cheaper than what they submitted to insurance for oh, my ADHD sure. testing. And that's what I figured out after the fact where I'm like, yep, I could have paid people cash do. price about like 70% less than what ended up be, I owed after insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's interesting because a lot of the doctors that I'm seeing now or, you know, if I'm needing something, to be honest, I don't we don't I don't go through my insurance half the time now. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'll just pay cash. Like, See, that's why I didn't go through. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's fine. Is this a TikTok myth that I've seen something about like medical bills hitting going being sold off to creditors? And then when you like they want you to pay, it's kind of like you can fight it on the basis of HIPAA. Like you can. So it's myth? it's. <laughs> Yeah, I I have. um, uh, How do you know that I was a patient at that hospital? Like, how can you prove I was treated and seen and had this procedure? Doesn't that violate my HIPAA? Yeah, so it's I have a video about this and I say something similar, (laughs) but I to get more into the weeds of of how it really works is when it's sold to a collections agency and they have it, the, the hospital only gives them like the minimum amount of of information necessary just to collect the debt from you. So you have the legal right to request what is called a debt validation, which you say like, this is not enough to prove that I actually got these things. Like you can't just give me a total. Tell me what I actually got charged for. Um, Mm -hmm. So then you can ask them like, hey, verify this debt. um, So I know that what you're charging me is correct. And the collections company is then supposed to go get more data, more information from um, your hospital that you went to or your provider or whatever. And if they come back and they cannot give you enough data because sometimes they can't access it all because of HIPAA, um, then you can dispute and say like, I, you know, you didn't give me enough information. I don't owe this debt. Then you dispute it from there. What if they can though? Then can you be like, you all violated HIPAA and you're all going down. (laughs) They have to have. So most of the times when you go into your doctor's office or um, like at a hospital, you sign those paperwork that say like, I give you authority to submit uh, to anyone to collect payment or whatever. So with that, when you sign that, that is their ability to Mm. release. But you can dispute Mm -hmm. it on the fact of like, you don't have enough information to prove that it was me. Um, So you can do that and then dispute it from there. 
Right. Speaking along that bloodline, and I know I'm bringing it up because I, I learned this from you, and actually this just happened to Sam, is in terms of like your rights as a patient and making sure that you're, you know, protecting yourself is always put it in writing. Yes. Because I know Sam went through something recently. It wasn't necessarily with health, but with your, um, she had an insurance fraud issue and she was corresponding with email and making sure like everything is in writing. And I just want to leave that as a hot tip because I think that's really important for everybody when you're going through a situation, always mm-hmm. put in writing. Mm-hmm. Just because you have the phone trail. call doesn't mean, yeah, exactly. Paper trail. Yes, exactly. So everything that you do when it comes to billing, when it comes to the hospital, needs to have a paper trail to it. So either send it by certified letter, email it so that it's timestamped. And then most people don't know this, um, but a lot of states are um, what's called single party states, which means that you are, uh, it's legal for you to record phone calls without having to tell the person that you're recording a phone call. So like I'm in Texas, I'm in a single party state. So if I am talking to a billing representative or whatever on the phone, I am 100% legally free to uh, record that phone call and have it for my record. Mm. I did not know that. I did not know that either. And that's I had to very, because that, you know, whenever we were in the hospital, I was told like a million times that patients cannot record anything like phone calls or anything like, right. And I, so I actually have like a social media lawyer that just, you know, keeps me out of jail. so I, so I, I contacted him one time because I was having trouble with a patient that I was negotiating a bill for. And I was like, Hey, like, I really need to like record these conversations. Cause this is egregious. And he's like, so why aren't you? And I was like, I thought you couldn't do that. And he's like, no, no, no. As long as you're in a single party state and the other person is in a single party state like Texas or wherever, then you don't have to tell them you're recording. You can just of course we're not. California's not. Yeah, I just pulled up the map. <laughs> Did you just Everybody, look at it? Yeah. It's like California, Arizona is not, and then Florida's not. Yeah, and that's where you went to college was Arizona. Right, of course. <laughs> but every other state basically uh-huh. is. Pretty yeah. much, oh gosh, right? Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting and good to know. I think, I don't know. I think just like the idea of, of mm-hmm. knowing, you know, knowing your rights. And this is why everyone who's listening today mm-hmm. needs to go follow you. And just, I love the tidbits you give. Well, no, you give such I've good information. So much. Yeah. Like, yep. I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't know. I mean, today I didn't know. Even... Listen, guys, I didn't yeah. know any of this a year ago. So I didn't know any of this at bedside. I scratched the surface as a case manager, but I didn't really learn much of this until I actually delved into this field. So it's it's right. not uncommon not to know these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there any like? I mean, just kind of recapping on. Um, you know, things going on, like other reforms going on, or maybe even um, some good tips as to how we can help start driving the needle forward, you know, and making sure like we're also all doing our due diligence on this, you know? Yeah. So um, first of all, like I said, we need to be working together. So there's a bunch of organizations who are like campaigning for these things that we should get behind. Power to the Patients is one of them. For healthcare workers, if y'all don't already follow Impact in Healthcare, they are yep. oh, yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I love, I love their whole crew. Um, Abby just moved here to California, by the way. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I think I that I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's here, but what we We've had her on before. But yeah. We need to do a read up. We need to do a read up. But so, yes, that's absolutely yes. Right. everyone. Yes. So um, follow these organizations. But also, I think the hardest part of my job of actually moving the needle is getting 
like people listen to what I say, but whenever you get a bill or something happens, it gets scary and they don't actually stand up for themselves. This is this has been my my plight like my entire nursing career. It's like this gives me flashbacks to when I was like three years into my career and I looked around to the other nurses and I'm like, let's start a union. And they're like, nah, it's not going to do anything. Like right. nothing's ever mm-hmm. going to change. And I'm like, I really need, like, if, if y'all want this to change, y'all, y'all have to do stuff. Like, it's not just yeah. the people on Capitol Hill. It's not just the people working in the organizations that I'm working in. Like, I need the grounds people yes. to listen to these things and, and carry them out. Like, that's the only, re- yeah. the only way that we're going to be able to move the needle there. Right. We're very powerful in numbers. I mean, truly, we really yes. are. Yeah. Really? I mean, look at look at what has happened in nursing over the past few years. Yeah. Like look at yeah. look at the this new generation of nurses um that are coming in that are literally saying like you you gave me an unsafe ratio or you lowballed me on my salary, I'm out. Like I'm going to go to the next place. Like I'm yeah. not putting up with this anymore. And then we've seen like so many more unions, so many more um you know, people speaking out and not afraid to talk about what's going on in our workplaces. And, and that's just, that's the perfect example of what can happen in healthcare when people band together. Mm-hmm. Right. I, did I hear a rumor that um, Texas is, is looking into unions? Oh. Yeah. So we had a few, we just had one unionized um, in our capital in Austin. And it's just like, every time Texas gets another union, I'm just uh, like, let's awesome. go. Because you, I, I don't think the rest of the country understands how anti-union the southern states are like i was fed my entire nursing career Mm -hmm. from nursing school till now that unions are bad and they reduce quality Mm -hmm. of care and yeah so like union Mm -hmm. busting is really big down here so the fact that nurses are starting to kind of wake up to that and push back i am all for it you know what the irony is is we grew up also with a lot of that messaging mm-hmm. as well Absolutely. despite the fact yeah. that people think you know in california that it's all roses and everything i'm like first of all it's not and the second mm-hmm. thing is is there are a lot of hospitals still out there that are non-union and yep. i think a lot of those nurses get fed a lot of that well, messaging I, I think the thing with unions is people like politicize it in a way where it's like oh it's a liberal thing right. or it's, it's not very, mm-hmm. and it's, it's like not. no it's not it's, it's literally about just your like your rights as a worker yeah. it's literally about your rights as a worker yeah you know, you know and- what the other thing is too is um i've people like to use very bad examples of unions mm-hmm. to like be the representation of unions so like i have a union in my area um so when i tried to to unionize my hospital who did not have one they were like oh look at that union like it's terrible and i'm like you i don't know i don't think you understand how unions work like unions are only as good as the nurses that are in them like you mm-hmm. have yeah. to be the union yes. so if you have yes. any weak players um yeah. in there who Vote are like out. anti-union your your union is gonna weaken so uh yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah that's actually totally a really understand. good point and i do think that's something that a lot of people don't understand is the union reps are literally bedside nurses Mm-hmm. They are literally like the people from your unit are literally working in those unions mm-hmm. and they are the representatives and they are, you know, it's collectively with, you know, different aspects of the hospital, but that, you know, and management can't, they physically cannot be a part of the union. And there's mm-hmm. a reason for that. So it's just interesting. Well, it's like nothing's perfect. So it's like, yeah. but at the end of the day, who's making sure that you're staffed appropriately, that you have breaks, that you're getting pay, fair, raises free, fair raises and pay and like insurance yep. whatever the insurance is um also your I'm retirement like, why, this, why does anyone think this is a bad thing right but yeah we've been fed the whole like oh it decreases quality of care and it 
protects it always is like it protects the lazy people or the bad workers it's but, like but yeah. there's lazy workers everywhere yeah there's lazy like, workers no, at your still, hospital like, too yeah i'm right? like they yeah it's like, it's it's it's, it's funny the the line of thinking that whenever you say like oh we're gonna make it like they have to have a reason to fire you and then people are like oh the lazy people are gonna stay yeah. here like uh-huh. like how did how did one jump from the other but yeah you know well. Well, and in my head too, it's interesting because I'm like, I just think I'm very much at a point in my career where I'm like, I would like to, in terms of bedside, when I'm bedside, I like to, to present as like, I want to be the nurse that my patient wants to have. Right. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's all about the patient and also being the coworker that someone Mm -hmm. wants to have. Like, I want to be the best person that I can be. And I think, you know, starting to really support this idea of like collectively all together, we can really lead together and you know, mm-hmm. start improving changes for everybody. Because again, like you said, it's not a, this situation in healthcare is not just affecting patients. It's affecting also providers. And, yep. you know, I think we have a lot of work to do. So definitely. Yeah. Um, I want to know before we head out, like, do you have any good life tips or something you can leave with the audience? Um, a good, something like a life motto that you live by. <laughs> I do. Um, my life motto only for the past year has been like, do what's scary to you. I've, I've, I think in my nursing career, I've, I've done what's comfortable and I've only pushed the limit so far. But when I started to do what was, what was really scary for me, what was, um, seemed like an insurmountable challenge. Um, that's, that's when I've felt like I've been the most fulfilled in my career. So Maybe it's not my entire life model, but my entire life model for the past year has been do it scary. Mm, that's well, we need that though, like yeah. because <laughs> what you're doing is filling such a huge void. Yeah, it is. I mean, truly, you're becoming a big a big centerpiece. I feel like for a lot of really good information that's coming out, and I think the more people that really start kind of taking action collectively with you, and that's providers and patients. I think that you know. Collectively, we can make a lot of change. Actually, before we head out, though, I really want you to speak to this because I know this is something that you've been working really hard on. Can you um, talk a little bit about Dollar Four? Yes. So Dollar Four, um, I am not an employee of them, but I I do consulting with them. So um, they reached out to me. Uh, I've known them for a long time. And they were like, hey, we already hold hospitals accountable to their charity care uh, policies. We help patients like fight back whenever they're not being fair we want to kind of delve into all medical bills. Like we want to relieve medical debt as a whole. So I have been working out with them for the past few months, um, building out a medical bill negotiation program. Um, it's completely free to the public. Dollar four does not charge, uh, for any services. So patients can go through our screener and whether they need help with charity care or medical bills, a patient advocate will be assigned to them. And, uh, we try to get their debt relieved as much as Awesome. I love Great that. resource. And I know a lot of people are potentially have family members going through things and whatnot. So a great resource for everybody. <sighs> You're so fun. Come to California. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? Like we need to meet in person. I would uh, where are oh y'all at? God, what awesome. what city are y'all in? Like, so we're Southern California, California LA, LA, Orange County, Disneyland awesome. Hollywood. Awesome. I would love to come I visit. I love California. Absolutely. Yes, you're welcome you're anytime. Town, yeah. And of course, in person, we would love it. Like, you know, if you do a girl moment, go out and get some cocktails. Yes. I'm all about it. Absolutely. <laughs> we actually, 
I we just need to really settle. Oh, something. oh, here we go. Um, we, brec- we're going brunch. to brunch. We're going to brunch. We're going to brunch. Okay. Bloody Mary okay. or mimosa? Ooh. What's the weather like there? Let's start there. It's all the Southern California. It's, it's always seventy-seven degrees. In the yeah. It's not cold, but it's like a nice, fresh, yeah. brisk. I'm gonna go with though, mimosa. So- I'm gonna go with mimosa. That's what I'm gonna do. My girl, I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you from the low-rise jeans. Thank you. Thank you. All, all right. right. All right. Here we go. We're keeping tally. We're keeping tally. Mm-hmm. We're asking everyone. Mm-hmm. This is the Bloody Mary girl over here. You know. I love a good Bloody Mary, but I have to like, I can do mimosas anytime, but a Bloody Mary I have to like be in the mood for. So there's like a time. It's a personality type for sure. You know, there's always time for mimosa. Always time for a Bloody. I will take a Bloody anytime or any. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Well, yes. I love it. Another one. Here we go. Here we go. Um, Okay, Chrissy, where can everybody find you? All the platforms, all of where, all, all the things. Yes. So uh, socials, I am on Instagram and TikTok at at Christy PRN. And then if you need any patient resources or healthcare worker resources, you can go to my website at healthcarereformed.org. Awesome. Love that. Absolutely. And we're going to link um, a bunch of the amazing things that you also refer to in the show notes as well. So we'll have that for everybody. Thank you so much for your time. You are phenomenal. Thank you for the amazing work you were doing. It is definitely, I think what I love about you is there's no one else doing what you're doing and doing it the way that you're doing. We're also thankful for you here at the selfie show. Thank you. Yes. Keep doing the scary things because yeah. we appreciate it. You're phenomenal. I will guys. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, she's such a sweetheart. I love her. I love her. But it's like she like drops like real facts and it's like you don't want to mess. But like she's also such a sweetheart. I don't know how she does it. It's such an art to what Mm -hmm. she does, how she brings the information and she does it in really bite-sized pieces. Like, okay, here's the thing. Medical, as we have said, is like not sexy, but somehow she's kind of like sexing it up. She's making it fabulous. But it's like also the way she does it. It's like you have to. Like it you have to of, watch. Well, like demand your attention and respect. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here for it. Definitely head over to check her out, you guys. Um, we have linked a bunch of resources for you here in the show notes. Also, make sure you're following her and over, head over to her website if you guys are looking for specific resources. We we're obsessed. Yes. And thank you so much, you guys, for listening. As always, make sure you are following us on our Insta. That's at C E L L F I E underscore podcast. You can find all the goodies there linked in the bio for you. And thank you so much for all your reviews. We'll be sending out your little goodie bags. Mm-hmm. So if you want one, drop an in- your Instagram handle on the review. And also, please click those five stars on Spotify. Absolutely. Thank you. Our new stickers, you guys. The little pink biohazard selfie. I'm obsessed so with that one. cute. We've updated the selfie pill. The stickers are adorable. We have a mimosa Bloody Mary. It's cheersing. so cute. That and then we, we have from Rad Girl Pens, we have the badge charm. So we have a new little charm. It's our Selena. And she's going to be sitting right there with you when you guys are on your long shifts. So we love that for you. And uh, make sure you're following us on our inside. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hey Samantha with two A's. And stay tuned. We got more great guests lined up. Yes, got we some do. bonus episodes dropping. Can't wait. All right, you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.